0: what is up my friends welcome to drop in with dr j where we have open authentic conversations about all things mental health including the current state of stigma surrounding mental health i am so excited to be having this conversation with a legend in the mental health content creation space who has been making videos for over a decade she has over 1 million subscribers on YouTube, and her videos have racked up over 100 million views. I can't even comprehend that. A two-time bestselling author of the books, Are You Okay?, and her latest, Traumatized. Katie Martin, thanks so much for dropping in.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Of course, we are just chatting for a little bit, but I have to share, like, When I first thought of sharing some of my knowledge that I have around mental health or psychology, it was 2018. And I went to YouTube and I just went in the search bar. I'm like, oh, has anybody done a video about anxiety? It's like, oh, look, this person, Katie Morton. Has anybody done a video about depression? Oh, look, it's this person, Katie Morton. Literally every topic I had typed in on mental health, you had been out there creating this content long, long ago.
1: Yeah, I was definitely, like, the first person to the party, and it came with its own... I mean, I'm fine being the dork in a group, it's totally fine, but it was just interesting. Back in the day, like, early VidCon, early... just. YouTube events, I, I wanted to be a part of things so bad, you know, like, oh, what are people doing? And like, it's cool. And I want to meet, you know, all these people, um, that are creating content. Um, but nobody really knew what to do with me. Like when I would ask people to collab, they'd be like, well, I don't really talk about that stuff. Or like, well, I don't, I, I don't really know, or I don't understand, you know, or even being on, I remember being on Twitter early on and people, cause I would just follow people, like people that were right. like, uh, com- talking about mental health stuff i'd be like oh i'll follow her oh and they were like who are you why are you following me <laughs> and yeah it was definitely not the landscape that is here today um happy to do it for everybody cuz i i knew just like anything like i'm not going to be the one everybody likes right different strokes for different folks you need to find the right fit so, you know we talk about therapists psychi- psychologists psychiatrists everybody um it's important for you to find someone that you connect with and so it's just great that there are people like you creating content now, and all you get the new wave—I would call it like—because I'm definitely older. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're around the same age, but right, right, right. I've been online for so much longer. I feel like I've aged decades <laughs> longer. But um, uh, people are so creative now on like Instagram and TikTok and stuff. I just think it's really cool.
0: Even the way you just described that, how like stigma shifted of like now all businesses, corporations, everyone wants to be part of mental health, but. So interesting already to hear that in the beginning for you, people are like, what's it? What is this mental health thing <laughs> that you speak of and you speak of often? Mm-hmm. Do you remember? I scrolled back. So I I scrolled through your video. Oh,
1: you should not. <laughs> I scrolled back.
0: Do you remember what the first video you uploaded? I don't know if this was really your first video, but it's the first video that's there.
1: It is my first video. I haven't I've never gotten rid of I've only removed I think like one video because I misspoke so it was like because Mm. there was an error and I recreated it um but I never deleted as embarrassing as they are um that first video I I even remember what I was wearing like this brown floral shirt I don't even know but um we hung a white sheet up on the wall in our apartment to cover up like our tv and stuff and um it's called my purpose
0: (laughs) That's right. right. I I have a quote here. I just thought it was so like spot on and profound. You're like, I'm creating this to give a space to share my education and information regarding eating disorders. Obviously you expanded and you go, (laughs) my hope is to leverage social media to reach more people. And I was like in 20, you know, 2011, (laughs) like that was like, wow, groundbreaking. Did you know how like inventive that was way back then?
1: No, I thought it was really weird. It was actually uh, my now husband at the time, my boyfriend, he, he was the one that was like, you should use this because I was working in an sort of treatment center. And my frustration was that when people had graduated our program, so inpatient for anybody who doesn't know is like you live at the facility. It's like a very high level of care. And so as you step down into like day programs and outpatient, which is like, you know, what, what I'm assuming you and I, you offer in your private practice, right? We go in for an hour, maybe two a week. We go about our day. And so as we're stepping people down, I had nobody to refer to. And I was in Los Angeles. And that just seemed wrong. And that just seemed really wrong because we should have more options. And everybody who did understand eating sores was full, not taking any more patients. And so I was just complaining to Sean about it. And he was like, I heard about this thing called YouTube, like put some information out there. So that's really how it started. So I don't think I mean, even at the time that I started, you couldn't make money. You couldn't even make thumbnails. Um, It was just such a different, like Instagram didn't exist. Um, I'm trying to think of where I even was. I did stuff on Facebook, YouTube, Tumblr. Tumblr has been like my buddy for a long time. And then I think that was it. And then Twitter.
0: So just weird. Such and then again, it's wild how quickly technology changes. Social media changes. There's always something new popping up. But part of me wonders: Did it feel like you were like yelling into a void? Like, did did you think people were going to tune in and listen?
1: I didn't know, yeah. and I guess I guess because it's hard for you even to remember. But like, it wasn't what it is now. So imagine that nobody was doing it. Mm-hmm all you saw were like cat videos and like Jenna Marbles is creating her comedy stuff, which I love. And I think the only other person I watched was like Anna Akana, who's become actually like a nice, like working colleague. She talks about mental health stuff a lot. She's super nice. Um, and she's still, you know, being an actress, she's doing all her things. But, um, that was like the only people I could look up to watch, see what they were doing. And the fact that I remember even on my first video, like, Getting back online and being like, oh, I have 11 views. Like, wow, like 11 people. You know, we lose sight of things. I think now people are like, oh, you know, because we know the Mr. Beasts of the world are racking in like 20 million views or 120. And right. so when you get like 11, you're like, well, that's stupid. But imagine if you're sitting in a classroom and you're teaching to 11 people. That's pretty powerful. That's still 11. You know, we're used to the one on one model in session and stuff. So it, didn't feel like I was screaming into the void because I didn't even know what it could be. Mm. It was like, I didn't have any, no assumptions, no expectations. It was like, I was working, still working full time. Like I had like three jobs, like most therapists. When I was still gathering my hours I actually asked my supervisor if she didn't mind if I put stuff online and she was like, go for it. This is super cool. I mean, she had no idea. We had no idea. Thanks, Patty. Patty was great. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I guess we just I just didn't know what I didn't know
0: Uh, right and that that immediately makes me think because it started out you were sharing this great knowledge and expertise you had in eating disorders was there a point where it started expanding and you're like whoa like this is I'm becoming a face of mental health for people
1: Hmm. I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way I guess uh I've I've never won any like streamy or whatever, but I've been nominated a few times. And I think that first nomination, I was like, wow, people like know that I exist. <laughs> I think that was probably it. And the conversation has just shifted. So like collaborations became easier. People were more interested and there were more of us. There's like more people doing it. Um, but I definitely don't think I saw, I still don't, I mean, I don't know. I, it's been so long and I probably maybe five or six years in, I was like, people know that I do this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, sorry. It's not a very good answer, but I just never thought about it. <laughs> no.
0: And, it, and I feel like that's a real answer. In when you're so busy creating content, you're so busy producing things. I don't know that you stop and pause and think about those kinds of things. Cause I scrolled through all those videos that you put out. <laughs> it's like, what do you have time for when you're covering <laughs> the wide genre of all mental health?
1: Yeah. I mean, and I used to do, I don't know how I did this. There was an entire year or year and a half where I did five videos a week
0: Oh my! God.
1: and I wouldn't edit them. I recorded them on my iPad of all things. And I would sit down at my kitchen table and it was just like, we had uh, I forget what it was. It was like Regular video on Mondays. Mondays was always my only recently, just like a couple of months ago, I switched to Tuesdays just because Monday always felt so chaotic. I don't know why I did it for so long, but we had Mondays was like regular video. Tuesdays was Tumblr Tuesdays. So I pull questions and answer like three to four questions. Then it was like website Wednesday because I used to have like chat and these uh, posting features on my website that became too much to manage. Obviously not a tech guru. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Then Twitter Thursdays and Facebook Fridays. All this the
0: the social media covered.
1: (laughs) That's your entire run the gamut. Right.
0: Entire life and week. And yeah. Yeah. So you have this such unique perspective again for doing it across a decade. You've seen tech change, you've seen social media change. But I really wanted to get your take on kind of the current state of stigma Mm. around mental health. Where do you think we are right now with? how mental health is stigmatized? What have you noticed over the decade?
1: Um, It's a big change and Mm. all in the the right direction for the most part. I'm sure there's other things that we need to improve on just like anything, but we're moving in the right direction. I went from, I mean, just purely from me being like the only creator that I knew of that was creating content. Like there were people, um, creating content about themselves and their own journey, their mental health journey. There were a couple of those people. So like, Hey Kaylee and Melissa, her channels, I Drink the seawater, like all those people, Laura Lejeune, they were like early on talking about their own, um, experience. And, but there was no, there were no professionals. And so I think that people were already kind of pushing back because we know mental health affects one in four. So it really affects us all. Let's just be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's a much more like, thank God for like Gen Z and the younger generations, because as a 38 year old, I've been in therapy off and on since I was 15. And, but I'm not, it wasn't that common when I was growing up. Right, Like my mom was I don't know, for some reason, I think one of her friends had gone to therapy, said it was so life-changing. And so she made us go as a family. And then my dad was like, I don't like this. My brother's like, this is stupid. And I was like, I want to keep going. Like, <laughs> I like this. Um, so it's kind of early on in what we would consider now, like, oh, therapy, people talk about it. So I think if we, if I even think in my lifetime, it's really moved forward. And I think the younger generations being more and more open to talking about it because they grew up with a more connected world. Like Right. If I, cause I grew up in a really small town when I wanted to do something different or dress in a different, I was weird, right? Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to fit in so bad, you know, and like everybody does, that's just part of human nature. We're like, you know, tribal, we want to be with other people and, and feel like we're part of it. And I think now, because we're so connected, if your tribe is not where you grew up, you find them online. That's right. And I think that that's that's really moved things along, as well as uh like what I'd call a traditional celebrity talking about it. Um, I remember when Adele, this is like years and years ago, when she first had her child, she talked about postpartum depression, and people were like, What? Wow, you know. Um, and Kid Cuddy, who's like a rapper,
0: yep. talked
1: about suicide. And I was like, Wow, this is so awesome. And so I think not that he was suicidal, but that he's actually open to talking about it just for clarity. <laughs> but um, So I think that overall, the conversations have shifted. And I honestly give credit to social media. Because I think otherwise, when we are little COVID showed us this, when we're isolated, we don't do as well. And so when we're stuck in our little bubbles of where we live, then that becomes the norm. I mean, I just moved to Texas. And I would assume if I went like two hours out of Austin, I'd find like really rural communities where people don't necessarily, you know, talk about things in the way that I've been in LA for 20 years, like it's a therapists have therapists, people have two therapists. It's just, that's the thing. It's fine. Um, so I think overall, sorry, long-winded answer. I think that it's definitely changed for the better. Mm -hmm. And I think the education component coming on board, people like you putting content out as well. I think that that helps people know like where to start Mm -hmm. because the, I think the, that's the beautiful thing about educating online is that if you think we're so fortunate. You and I, we have this education. I understand when I start to feel a certain kind of way, I'm like, I, like I'm in a new state. So I'm like, oh, I got to find a new therapist. I'm like, mm. what am I looking for? Like, I think that way. And I that's, that's I feel very privileged But some people are like, what's wrong with me? Mm. You know, that's mm. the conversation. And so I think, um, you know, having these resources and be able to reach out and connect with people, connect with professionals, it's just, it's wonderful. And I think it will keep getting better and better. Um, and one silver lining of COVID was it brought, it it made therapy more accessible Mm -hmm. for people in rural areas, you know? Um, Yeah, it's definitely shifted so
0: much. Absolutely, Again, absolutely. And you're highlighting all the best things about social media of anybody can hit record on their phone, share their journey, share their expertise. Um, And people can feel like, oh, exactly. I'm not the only one going through this or these symptoms that I have, like, does this have a name? I mean, yeah. all, all the great videos on your YouTube, I mean, you cover the gamut. Like someone can figure out like, oh, not to necessarily self-diagnose, but get curious mm-hmm. about what is going on for them. Um, part of me was wondering a little bit of being visible, being on social media. What are some of the obstacles that you've had mm-hmm. to go through? Because we're all human. We're, we're flawed in our different ways. But being in the spotlight, representing mental health, how has that felt for you?
1: Mm, At the beginning, it was easy, because it it wasn't, again, like online wasn't what it is now. It's changed so much, I guess. Back early on, like going to like VidCons and stuff, um, people were just so excited to like be connected. It was like, I remember my friend Grace Helbig one time was like, it's just like a meeting of the nerds. And I was like, it totally is. (laughs) Like we like hang out in our apartments and film these weird videos. And then we go to these events and we meet each other and we're just like a bunch of nerds and we're so excited, you know? Um, and nobody, like our parents don't understand what we're doing and you know, people think it's weird. Um, so there's definitely that component early on and it was, it was really a great thing. And then obviously like anything, the more people that are involved in it, there are dark sides to it. And, something I did early on with my audience was allowing them to take some ownership over the community. Mm. And so when it comes to like trash talking someone being, you know, cause people can be hateful mm. and they'll say things to my audience members, like, you know, eat shit and die. Or like, why don't you go kill yourself? Or, Oh, you're so depressed. Everybody's depressed, you know, and like minimizing invalidating harmful things. And so I've used a ton of tools. Thank God for YouTube. They were one of the first platforms to allow for like word holding, so in comments i hold words like you know kill um idiot you know anything asshole you name the word you know, whatever um the list is is grown exponentially over the years um and so there's that component and my audience has done a great job of of not only like taking ownership over it and letting me know if something is harmful like messaging me in other ways letting me know say, hey this is happening and we need to try to figure this out um but also like I made them moderators mm-hmm. in different platforms so then they can remove things themselves or they can have conversations. And I always encourage them, I'm like have conversations instead of just blocking someone or removing them. You know, hey, no, you're having a hard time. We don't talk like that here, you know. Um, so it's been it's been really cool that way as far as like community driven. Um and as a creator, I guess the thing that's the hardest for me, um, I don't really like being a public figure. <laughs> um, it's not that I would love if someone sees me in public, please say hi. I love that. That part's great. That's fine. Um, I don't, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. It's the, the people assuming that they know you or judging you. Cause Oh, they said this one word. I don't like that. They said like, I'm not perfect. I never pretend to be. Um, but it, that doesn't just because I'm out putting myself out there doesn't give you the right to like shout at me online. So I've always had just like a, a very firm, like, I don't, I don't talk back to trolls. I don't, I know people like sometimes like you owe me a response. Like I'll get comments like that. How come you said, I forget even, um, let's just say like, they didn't like that I said that bipolar disorder could feel out of control Mm -hmm. or I had someone recently get mad because I used the word, um, was it suffering or struggling or something? And they were like, it's not, you don't suffer that's a victim mindset, you know, some kind of, and that's fine. You can have your viewpoint. Does that mean I have to agree or that I have to respond to it? No. And if anybody's ever followed me, even if you hate me and you've left a comment, you'll know I don't respond to those comments. And if I don't think it helps anybody or assist in any way, I'm going to delete it because you know, it's a safe space and it has to be safe for me because trust me, I've gotten my own fair share of hate over the years and it's really emotionally taxing for me. Um, and I think any therapist out there would admit we're a super sensitive group. <laughs> so it's really hard because I'm definitely like that highly sensitive person. So like there've been weeks where I just like, don't get online. Like one person randomly, this is the great thing is, like great being very, I'm like being so sarcastic about the internet. Cause I like, it was like a Friday night or Saturday night or whatever. I sleep in, I wake up, my phone has gone crazy because some person, I don't know on Instagram, still don't know the name and it was not important, has like 8 million followers and blame me for not reading a DM three months ago about their boyfriend being an alcoholic or something and sent all of their fans after me. So like the comments were crazy. And I mean, I was just like blocking people. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what's happening. Like I just got up. Like, and so it was, it was around that time. This is like, I don't even know how many years ago, this is even before like pre Shane Dawson collab and people, you know, losing their minds there too. But mm-hmm. like, I, um, it was before that I was like, you know, people can say what they want. I'm going to do my best. And that's just how I am. And I, I never do anything maliciously. I never hurt anybody take, you know, take what you will go somewhere else if you don't like it. And yeah, but it's, it's been a steep learning curve
0: <laughs> that you're, you're describing to the T the part I struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. exactly the same I have the same profile personality very <laughs> sensitive very compassionate and you start creating content that anybody can just tune in and see it's mm-hmm. like you start and doing, critique exactly that's exactly the point it's like you start thinking of just percentages of people out there who are probably feeling unwell it's like mm-hmm. a thousand people see this you can guarantee I mean a hundred, maybe at least in yeah. like, the tens, twenties of people are feeling unwell and they're going to project that or pick you apart. But early on, I struggled so much. Like there were times where I'm like, I just don't want to post today because I can't yeah. think of something that can't get picked apart. Like I would totally. avoid talking about something. Cause I was like, Oh, I, I can't say this in a way that I don't feel like, Oh my gosh, they could yeah, pick a word like suffering yeah. or pick that. It's so I love that you were kind of alluding to, cause I have followers asking me this all the time of like, if I want to start creating content, mm. like how do I deal with it? How do I deal with the negative comments that come? But you are mindful of like, it sounds like where you put your energy and what's worth your energy.
1: Yeah. And I'm not, um, I'm not immune either. <laughs> like I got a, a trash comment just like last week and it bothered me for that day. And as I was like, getting ready to go to bed. I was like, that's it's over. You have to leave that because it's it doesn't actually have any fact, you know? Um, it's just hard. And like I have a lot of friends too, like colleagues in this space. Like my good friend Alexa has been in videos with me and forever I'm like, you're a trauma specialist. She's she's so well spoken. Like, you need to create content. And she's like, I can't deal with the hate, Katie. Like one comment would ruin me for like a week. Cause again, mental health professionals, not to say all of them, I'd honestly no offense to like a lot of psychiatrists I work with, but I kind of leave them out of it. Like medical doctors are in the medical model. Mm-hmm. Us feelers, we're sensitive and it's a lot. And I mean, I think because I was an adult when I started the channel, I mean, I think I was like 20
0: 25.
1: Mm-hmm. I and it was slow. Like now things move so much faster. Like I don't know how you do it, to be honest, because I had this this period to get used to it. Like, and not that it's like you get used to it and you are immune, but it's like building up a callus, you know, mm-hmm. where like I had that time to walk without shoes for a while till my feet were like, you know, mm-hmm. I can step on a little glass here and there. It's okay. And, and I think the thing I always tell myself and it doesn't always help, but I'm like, I've never met these people. They don't know me. And all I want to do is do good. And mm-hmm. if they don't like that, I don't really have anything to say. Like, I don't know what to say to you. If you really think I'm good online and try to maliciously harm, like I have this malicious intent, like you clearly don't know me at all. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's Ab- hard.
0: Absolutely right. And I think of those times where my mind will get fixated on a comment, right? Oh and I'll yeah. be I'll be there like debating of like already crafting response and it's like blinking cursor kind of thing. And I'm like, do <laughs> I even should I? And it is a lot of the times where I feel like I don't owe this person anything. I mm-hmm. am doing the best I can as a flawed person. I can't realistically put my energy into every single comment that comes yeah. my way when I'm trying to do the most good as I can making content about mental health. Yeah. I'm wondering for you, like what what keeps you balanced? Because a, a mm. lot of people out there experience this, whether it's in content creation at work, like, what do you do?
1: I mean it's it's always a trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're always trying to keep balance. one thing I do have to give credit like to my community is they keep me balanced a oh, lot. Man. Like um, like I even just filmed a video the other day it'll go out in a, a week or two here but um, it's just me being honest cuz one of my audience members was like comment on the video and then they're like, you know, enter enter. How are you Katie? You don't seem like yourself. And I I'm not. And so I was just I made a video about like, you know, I moved I've had some loss in my family. Like it's just been stressful. Um, We got a puppy, which is beautiful, but it's also very, like it adds to what's needed from me. Mm -hmm. Um, And anyway, so I just explain like, and so they, they keep me honest in some ways in like a very loving way. And then connecting with them. Like I do a lot of live streams over on Patreon Mm -hmm. and it keeps the trolls out (laughs) (laughs) and, and you get to know your people and it's, it's really like sometimes I'll be having the worst day and I'll, do like a, you know, an hour long live stream and it's just completely recharging for me because it reminds me like why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. So there's that part of it. And then in my like real life, um, I, I know I need a lot of sleep. Like I'm a nine to 10 hour a nighter Mm -hmm. and I don't care you can judge whatever. I don't have kids for a reason. Part of that is I need to take care of myself and I don't have that energy. Um, and so sleeping is really important, Mm -hmm. getting enough sleep. And then I need time with friends. I have to connect with other, not even other therapists, although a lot of my friends, I'm sure you feel this, a lot of my friends are therapists. Um, But, you know, it just happens through school and stuff. Um, but connecting with them, making time for that. And then I practice yoga, um, mm-hmm. which is it was really life-changing. Um, I love getting outdoors. My husband and I are big snowboarders and we used to, we haven't found a place here yet, is why I say used to. um, Mountain bike a lot, you know, hike a lot, just be outside. I really, I think it's because I grew up in the country. So my mom, we didn't have cable television. She's like, get outside. So I think there's like a part of me that's like, I said to get outside. Get in nature, um, right? Exactly. And so just doing those things, making sure I'm eating, you know, well and i don't mean like healthy not healthy i mean like eating what i'm craving when i am every three to four hours all my eating disorder people you know what i'm talking about you don't want to push it off um yeah just that basic self-care stuff yeah
0: i i I related so strongly to that piece that you said about the community in live streams Mm -hmm. i say all the time like i'll say it mid-live at the end of the live i'm like this is my favorite thing Like creating the content is cool, you know, even chatting a little bit back and forth in the comments or whatever. But in those lives, you absolutely connect with the people who have been there through your journey and and know you as well as someone can know you. There's always that factor of not following you around every day. But there's something about that lives that feels the most authentic and you get a real chance to connect with who are these people on the other side.
1: Totally. And, and just, yeah, like reminds you, like going back to like that original video, you know, like if you can affect like positively affect one person, it's all worth it. And I think that's just that reminder of like, mm-hmm. no, there are people that are benefiting. And of course, you know, our brains are wired to seek out threats. So we can mm-hmm. look at that one negative comment that's like, this is trash and you're harming people or something. You're like, how, um, you know, and we can focus in on that. But we have to remember that, like, there's people that are being helped. And, and that's a good reminder and a, a good motivator
0: absolutely absolutely before we shift and get to instagram questions and stuff i did want to touch you a little bit about some of the things you've seen within mental health treatment more back to like what you've noticed over the years i know you've you've noticed that the younger generation is more apt to talk about their mental health have you noticed shifts in people getting mental health treatment or changes of how mental health treatment is done
1: um I'm trying to think. I mean, I definitely from my audience, I can speak from like my community and what they've been telling me and even my patients over the years. I think um, that the, as far as accessing treatment, mm-hmm. it's getting easier. And I think that was one of the silver linings of COVID was mm-hmm. a lot like I have a ton of colleagues. And even I'll even put myself in there where I like I don't really take like online patients knowing that they're only online. Like I take people in my office and then let's say they go on vacation or they go to school for a brief period and we like connect until I get them transferred over. Like I would do that. But because of COVID, everybody was forced to figure it out. And we had to figure out what are the HIPAA compliant things and what can we do and blah, blah, blah. blah. And so everybody was doing that. And I think that's really beautiful. And like, there's You know things like Talkspace and BetterHelp, which are like online resources for people, and that also brings the cost down. Those are a little bit cheaper, and so I think I've seen that shift. And even Crisis Text Line, I've worked with them over the years. A beautiful nonprofit um, available in Canada, the U.S., the U.K., and I think Mexico also now. Um, But anyway, you just type in like text hello to seven four one seven four one, and those aren't. Licensed professionals, but they're trained crisis counselors, and I've looked at their training, and it's very—you know—it's—it's it's a great, great uh, training program. But so I think that with the rise of social media and the changes to technology, the accessibility component's gotten much better, and so I have seen and felt that shift, and I'm sure you have too as a clinician. Like I. I see it with my patients. I hear it from my community and I experience it also as a professional on this end. Like what, you know, how are you going to do these things and how how is this going to work for your practice? Um, So there's that component. And then I guess um, when it comes to like the people reaching out, I Mm -hmm. I hope, and I think the younger generations are more quick to reach out. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like the conversations online have changed from, just help me, what's this, you know, help me, help me, to, so what kind of therapist should I look for, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, because my goal isn't to quote unquote fix things for people because we all know you can't, you can't make anybody do anything. But my goal was to like give you enough information so that you can go in to see someone and know what you're asking for. And people are taking that and and looking for treatment more. I mean, obviously difference care like whether you're in a socialized nation or in the US, like it's totally complicated and sometimes you have to get on a wait list. But I feel like I've seen that shift. I don't know if you feel you've seen that shift too, but I think it has improved.
0: I absolutely I think that's a huge testament to people just being more knowledgeable about mental mm-hmm. health that they're asking really good, you know, specific questions of yeah. Now I know what depression is, I got a general idea of what anxiety is. Now I want to know like what is the best path forward for me to get help? What type of psychotherapy should I be seeking? I mean, this is great because to me, it does exactly show that the the knowledge base around mental health has increased, which is certainly one of the best ways to decrease stigma. Is there anything that comes to mind for you when you think about mental health, diagnoses, treatment, that you're like, this is an area that is still very stigmatized that needs mm. more work?
1: Oh, yeah. Um, self-injury borderline personality disorder. And yeah, I mean, because as a person who's worked uh, for a long time in eating disorders, I early on, I want to say it was like three years into my like internship, I realized just how little people understood about self-injury because I had a ton of eating disorder patients who would struggle with self-injury urges or had been self-injuring for years. And they didn't have any of the other symptoms of borderline personality disorder. But as a clinician, I'm putting it in my little like DSM. What is it running it through? And I'm like, the only diagnosis that has that is BPD. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, non-suicidal self-injury was added as like needed for more research. You know, but the DSM is like a crapshoot. It was just a, it's good. It's bad. It's whatever. Right. Um, but I think that this, when we have mental illnesses, that cause ripple effects into our relationships, not in the way of like, I mean, in general, I think that's a statement that we could all agree. When mental illness affects other people, people can be upset about that and not understand and judge. But there are some mental illnesses that come along with this component of uh, like, not, I don't want to say just dysregulation, but it's like that struggle to let people, that push pull, that um, destructive, I love you, oh, that that experience I'm not doing a very good job with words it's more <laughs> I like noises but you get what I mean it's I do that, get
0: what you mean yeah
1: like that splitting behavior and yeah. the I love you I hate you and that that internal discomfort that causes issues in our relationships those are the mental illnesses I think that are extremely stigmatized mm-hmm. and some for good reason like I don't want to say that people who've been harmed in relationships by someone with BPD don't have the right to feel that way you do. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's this lack of understanding and empathy when it comes to that particular diagnosis and self-injury is often seen as something that needs to be 5150, meaning they need to be put in the hospital Mm -hmm. because they're trying to take their own life. And I'm like, they're not suicidal. They just don't know how to express their pain in another way. Um, Not everybody understands it. And they automatically think then it's BPD and it's just not always part of that. So yeah, that's the one that comes to mind the most. There's obviously a ton of them, like even narcissism isn't fully understood. And it's really stigmatized because again, it comes with that pain, like narcissistic abuse. Trust me, that's like a huge swath of my community. Um, but and it, sometimes is really hard for us to understand someone else's perspective and be like, Hey, I think they might be having, they might be a narcissist because of trauma. Right. Because of childhood trauma, right? Like, why would you need to put up this false self? Mm -hmm. Like, where would that come from? And if you don't know what's happening and you don't want to seek help, you've been doing that for a long time. And that sounds really hard. Um, So anyway, I think those those kinds of mental illnesses will continue to be stigmatized unless we just keep talking about it. I really think there's just power in conversations and letting people vent constructively, not harmfully, Mm -hmm. and offering maybe another perspective because- I think, but also that's like part of the like highly sensitive slash empathic therapist of me is like seeing someone, someone who could hurt me, seeing their thought, their side of it, Mm -hmm. still being able to do that, even though it still hurt me. Mm -hmm. um, That's really hard for most people.
0: It is. And yet I know exactly what you're highlighting couldn't be more true. And I know this to be true because TikTok and Instagram in particular, they censor a lot of the conversation around Mm -hmm. self-harm and suicide and a lot of the topics that you're bringing up. And it's like, how how do you decrease stigma on something that your platform is actively saying, "Ooh, too hot, too hot to even have the conversation? Um, Yeah.
1: I couldn't even tag eating disorders on TikTok the other day. It wouldn't let me, it like, didn't, you know, when you like put it in and usually just hit it, it was like, no,
0: this is a huge issue. Cause as we know, like all these platforms, they're businesses at the end of the day, but they're great in that we can have conversations. But when you start actively as like hiding a tag Mm -hmm. on a topic, it's like the stigma comes flying back and the people on notice followers have asked me a lot of times of like, Why can't I talk about, you know, suicide ideation Mm -hmm. here? Why can't I talk about self-harm? Why can't I even type the word? It's not showing up in the live chat when I even type the word. Oh yeah.
1: It won't, it won't let it show up. It's crazy. I'm, I'm actively working with YouTube on this, not TikTok, unfortunately, or Instagram, but on ways to allow for at least, and I know this, other people might be frustrated, but at least accredited voices to talk about things. Because um, I know when I make a video about suicidal ideation in particular or self-injury, it's not monetizable. And I'm fine with that. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. eat it. It's it's okay. Sure. Um, but I also know that there are brands like... Even like crisis text line, not that I've ever done paid things with them, but they would love to be part of that. And can we talk about this and, you know, um, or better help or talks like there's things, people that would want to advertise or be a part of something. And I feel like it does, like you're saying, it just, it increases the stigma and it's like, I get it. It's, it's hard. It's like, I always hear this word. I'm sure you have too. if you have contacts at social other platforms, they're like, your content's very nuanced, you know, that nuanced (laughs) word. (laughs) <laughs> because they're like it's helpful, but you know you have to understand our side that it could be harmful. Someone could be putting out information on how to self injure, and I'm like, you look at all the content for all sorts of reasons. Can't we, you know? Right. Yeah.
0: It's such a and it's such a different perspective as therapists. We're out there saying like, of course these conversations or topics are nuanced. It's exactly why we need to talk about it.
1: Exactly, it's exactly yeah. why we need to and normalize like it. Whole- In that old belief of like, you talk about suicide, you're going to make someone suicide. I'm like, sweet mother Mary. That's not how it works. I don't know how to tell you. That's not what causes it. Right. Hopelessness, you idiots. Pay attention. Are you listening to people? It's just so frustrating.
0: It's incredibly frustrating. And I think it goes to show like there's still plenty of stigma out there. And, you know, you don't have to be from the business world to be, you know, Pulled back, of like what am I supposed to do when someone brings up suicide? But yeah, we know how common these things are that they yeah. come up, and we certainly don't progress and people don't get better by avoiding it or noticing. Shoot, yeah. I can't, I can't talk about this. I there must be something really wrong with me.
1: Yeah, then. shame spiral, right? let just shame people more that already aren't feeling right. That's so frustrating. Wow. I-
0: I'm so grateful that at least you're able to have the conversation with YouTube. I really do hope these platforms, spe- especially in what you're naming, like as professionals, like if we're yeah. not able to talk about it on your platform, what's going to happen out there? Yeah. Like, yeah, no one's going to be able to have the conversation. No. <laughs> so thought provoking. I, I love your <laughs> insights. I definitely want to get to all these questions on Instagram. Shout out to everybody who dropped the question in y'all are great as usual, but before I do. It wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't read an ad. This podcast is sponsored by the mental health app, Dive Through. Panic disorders can feel especially frustrating because there's no magic cure, like a lot of things in mental health, right? But there are tangible things you can do to reduce the frequency and severity of panic attacks. I've created an interactive course in the Dive Through app to walk you through the variety of causes of panic and what you can do to manage them. Download that Dive Through app, Apple Store, Google Play today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all have mental health, but many of us resist getting help because it's inconvenient or we simply don't know where to start. BetterHelp has made the process of getting with a mental health professional easy. In fact, you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That's lightning fast. The service is available for clients worldwide Wherever you are out there, BetterHelp is there for you. You can also log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. This is an awesome feature because we all know things happen between sessions. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in uncomfortable waiting room as you have to with traditional in-person therapy there is absolutely something to sitting on your own couch, your own chair or furniture in your space and starting your therapeutic journey. Incredibly convenient and comforting. Visit betterhelp.com backslash drop in Dr. J. That's better H-E-L-P backslash drop in D-R-J, all lowercase, Drop-in listeners will receive a special promo code for 10% off your first month. Start living a healthier life today. All righty. So many great questions. I'm like staring at them all right now. I'm like, which one one do you even choose? Um, One I really liked was from a perspective of a therapist. I'm sure a lot of mental health professionals like me follow you, but they're like, what can I actively do as a therapist to help break stigma on mental health through social media?
1: I think it's kind of what we've already been talking about it's just, putting information out there. If you're not comfortable putting yourself out there, meaning like your face and your voice, I think it's completely fine to create what I, I call them like infographs where it's just like, you know, what we think something is like, it could be a myth buster It's what we think panic attacks look like, but this is what they really are. Or, you know, even uh, borderline personality disorder, right? We're talking about how stigmatized it is. Let's talk about that. And you can create some helpful content. I think just having conversations, whether again, whether it's in comments or in live streams or whatever you're comfortable with, I think finding your comfort level and putting out helpful information is is really where it's at because we just need more voices. Um, and not everyone's going to like the way that I talk about it. And Mm -hmm. so we need other people who have a different voice that is just more palatable, you know, for, uh, for someone looking for it.
0: Uh, Absolutely. And I know there's a thing, For like, the more we know something, the more we feel like we don't know anything. But (laughs) but we as mental health professionals, we know a lot. We know a lot. Of course, we don't know everything, but that doesn't mean we don't know a lot. And we tend to minimize that. I know a lot of us out there will tend to be like, oh, everybody knows everything about depression. It's like, well, no, that can't be true. Yeah, it can't be true. And exactly what you're alluding to, they haven't heard it from you in the way you say it, the way you bring it up could color the picture of depression differently than the way I, or you might say it. Absolutely. Oh,
1: 100%. And I think there's something really powerful to getting language to put to what you're feeling. And so if, if you can put that language for, to something for someone else, like assist them in that, that, God, that's so healing. So Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And this was a question that was asked a lot of different ways, Um, but it's basically, how can I overcome mental health stigma I have for myself?
1: Mm. You got to pay attention to that Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-talk. Everybody hates that answer. My audience is like, oh, again, Um, (laughs) but, but we, we trash talk ourselves, you know? I mean, I'm just as guilty as you don't think because I'm telling you that I don't do it, you know, that I'm like, Love it, get, right, right? Yeah, I'm not any better. I'm just saying that I know that when I tell myself bad things about my experience, like you shouldn't when you should all over it, right? You shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't be this upset. You're so sensitive. Why are you so sensitive? Like all of that kind of conversation, I'm going to end up feeling worse. It's actually not helpful. One thing my therapist said to me years ago was like, just take a pause. <sighs> Ask yourself, is it helpful or harmful? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It sounds, it's like, it it could sound like I'm oversimplifying, but it's actually the truth. If I just pay attention to the conversation I'm having when it's quiet at night and trying to go to bed, just think, is this helpful or harmful? And then is there a way that I can, not toxic positivity, I don't have to be positive, but is there a way I can like shift it from why are you so sensitive to this must have really hurt my feelings. And I'm having that overreaction again. Overreaction is not bad. Remember, it's just like an indicator of something going on. So like, I'm having this overreaction. Where is this coming from? Can we just be curious? We don't need to be positive. I just need you to not shit talk yourself anymore. So like moving the, you know, into what I call, you know, neutrality. (laughs) And that's really a game changer.
0: I, I love that pause and ask yourself that question. Cause it's like, that's like the stop button of us getting uh-huh. out of our head. It's like, we're trying just to just stop the record for a second. And it's like, is yeah. this helpful? As,
1: as that thought train picks up speed, it's, you just have to like stop it for a second.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Like just in that pause. Cause I, I know I can do deep dives for five, 10 minutes, hours of like, mm-hmm. I've just spent time obsessing about some comment. And I'm like, now I'm an idiot. Like maybe I shouldn't make content mm-hmm. more but it's like, it's just, taking that pause, like, is any, is, is any of these thoughts helpful? Mm -hmm. But it's so important that relates to another question we have on here, which is what can I do if I feel like such a sap or wuss with my therapist?
1: Mm. Mm. It's hard. Therapy is so interesting because it like goes against what we think or experience in our other relationships. But just remember, like, check your facts Mm. I'm here to tell you some therapy is not a regular relationship. Therapists are not there to judge. It's actually the opposite of what we're there to do. And you're going to them because you're struggling or feeling like you're suffering with something, right? Utilize that. It's okay to suffer in therapy. Like I'll be the first to admit that I'm, I mean, everybody already knows I'm a crier. I'm just a crier. It's just how I am. I that's that's me. I if I stuff it down, I'll feel worse later. Um, so I like am a horrible like ugly kim k crying face person in therapy like the whole time and go through you know like all the tissues um and it's gonna be hard but my recommendation is to pay attention when you're doing it Mm -hmm. and to let your therapist know you're doing it because it's not like a Stop doing it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not gonna work. I think something that helps me is just being more aware of like when it's coming up and why. Because my my hypothesis, if I was putting my therapist hat on, I'd be like, interesting. So you're feeling like a wuss about X, Y, or Z, but not about this. So you're sensitive there too. Cause I have a feeling there's certain things I think you're being triggered in some way. And this this judgment is like a defense mechanism. So you're like. Oh my God, when I was younger, my mom would shout at me when I would get sad about this type of thing. Or I'm making it very simplified, but something like that, right? My coach told me to sit down and shut up whenever I was sad that I struck out. So whenever I feel like I failed, oh, I can't be upset. That's not okay, right? We all have these like beliefs or patterns. And so being curious about it is really where it's at because then you'll learn more about your experience and where this comes from. And then you can talk to younger you and be like, sorry, that coach was a dickwad, but now you don't have to be that coach for yourself. You can actually be like a loving, supportive person. And um, yeah, that's a very simplified thing, but just, you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: But you're right in that the curiosity leads us to understand ourselves where it's like, when we're just sitting in that judgment, it's like, we don't, we don't understand ourselves. We're not understanding where did this come from? What's the pattern here? And I know it gets said a lot, but I just want to speak from the mental health therapist point of view is we know that this is what the space is for i think often yeah. still clients will feel like oh my therapist they just every time i come in here and cry my therapist is somehow being like oh geez <laughs> this again <laughs>
1: yeah. but as a
0: therapist we're like you are using the space well yeah that's to what space. we're
1: here for yeah that's
0: right that's, that's why right. they
1: have us create a whole, quote unquote holding environment so you can like dump all your ish and we can like contain it and it's okay
0: Abs- yeah. Absolutely. And, but there's something so unique to that. I, I know mm-hmm. a lot of times clients are like, but for real, like for real, mm-hmm. for real, is it really okay? And it's like, yeah, yeah. that's, that's literally what this is for. That, if you that's
1: show- 100% what I'm here for. Right. <laughs>
0: right. But it's, it's easy for us as therapists to be like, but of course, but I know but for yeah. clients are, but I don't do this anywhere else. And it's like,
1: yeah. yeah. And that's what makes it beautiful and special. Mm-hmm. And that's why therapy is so healing. Cause there's one space where you get to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And you don't, even though it's hard and we're going to, you know, you you fight back against it. It's like, but you don't have to judge yourself in those moments. You get to just be, and that's what makes it so powerful, but also so difficult. And like internal right. battles of I'm supposed to be tough. I can't do the, uh, you know, but that's where the work is really.
0: It, it really is. It is. And that's where the healing and growth and we understand ourselves better comes. Here's a question. I was curious how you might feel this one. How can I appear like I have it all together on days I don't?
1: Mm. I mean, there are, so I do dialectical behavior therapy. I've done it for years with my patients and there, there are techniques, let's say like you are wanting to fall apart. You got some really bad news. You're crying at work, but you have a big presentation that you put together and you have to give it that presentation in like 10 minutes. There are techniques to like breathe, let yourself cry for a minute, pull it together, go in and do the thing, you know, it would call it like back burner essentially. Like I can't fully focus on this right now, but I can, and we can even schedule time, which I know you're thinking that feels weird. It does feel weird, but giving yourself space to fall apart and knowing that that's coming can sometimes be just as healthy and helpful in the moment, but by and large. So that's like, those are specific scenarios. Like I have to get it together. like, let's say I just got bad news and I have still have three more patients. I have to see, I got to get myself together. I, you know, I have to put, pull it together. Um, you know, I do as much as I can, as far as resourcing, like I might take some breaths, I might call my mom, I might stretch a little, I might do a shakeout, there'll be things that I'll do. But then I'm going to have to pull it together for that period of time, mm-hmm. knowing that I can fall apart in a few hours. And um, But then most of the time, so 90% of your life, it's okay to fall apart. Mm-hmm. If you have a place you can go and you can just let yourself do it. The thing that I think a lot of us worry about, and I hear this from my audience all the time, is that if I let myself feel it, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm going to mm-hmm. feel it forever. Oh. Stuck there, right? Mm-hmm. Just a feeling so bad for so long. But the truth is that feelings come and go like waves. And so if I, like, I, I recently lost my grandma and I oh. would cry about it. And obviously, because it's, it's, dev- it's still devastating. Right. But I cry for, honestly, if I was timing myself, maybe like two to three minutes. And then I'm like, I just can't really cry about this anymore. And it's not that I won't cry about it again. Yeah, yeah. It's just that feeling came. And then I had a memory of something funny we'd done together. And now I moved, I've moved on. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we fear that we won't move on. But trust me when I tell you, Another wave is coming of another emotion and you're just going to roll right into it. If you let yourself, it's in that urge to stop the waves that we drown, you know? So,
0: oh, that's so well said. Yeah. I couldn't agree more that. Are people minimize how quickly emotions pass, but we'll feel like, well, I'm not a crier, so if I open the doors to cry and forget it the next twelve hours, and it's not to say that people can't have long crying sessions, it's it's just yeah. not typical for most of us. Yeah, yeah we experience emotion in your mind your behaviors carry you into something else, funny memories. Now I'm doing this thing. But I also love that you highlighted because it's so easy for us as therapists to say, like, be your authentic self. Just be it all the time. If you need to cry, just cry. But you're exactly right. There are some situations where we have to learn for ourselves, whether the little regulating activities, grounding things that I can do to focus on, but I'm here in this moment, I have to give this talk in front of, you know, uh, my coworkers, or I have to, do something for school, that there are moments where we have to be like, okay, how do I regulate? How do I pause? How do I pull myself in the moment? And I can give myself that space, you know, a couple hours from now. You're yeah. so right. So let's get to a couple more questions we got here. How do you deal with a family that's stuck with an image of you? And how could you break that image?
1: Oh, um, I said, people aren't going to like this answer. I'm sorry. Ooh, uh, I'm t- ready. I love this.
0: <laughs> These are my it's favorites. Kind of
1: like, like, like not tough love, but more like reality check. Yeah, we we can't make people do anything, mm. and that I am constantly reminding myself of it. Again, know better, don't always do better. There's nothing that we can do that will ensure someone acts in a certain way. That's like you know the. Achilles heel or I don't even Achilles heel it's almost like the curse of a people pleaser right you can't ever really please people can't make them think a certain way do a certain way I can't make people see me as the person I want them to see me you know I just can't and so what I can encourage you to do is to continue being your authentic self and don't feel like you have to put on masks that's all we have control over is ourselves and so if in those scenarios because I'll be the first to admit I'll never forget coming back from college. So I went away, right? I grew up in Washington state. I went away to Southern California and I came home for Christmas that first time for like three weeks. And it was weird. Cause like I'd been acting as a kind of a pseudo adult, you know, in school, like making my own decisions, showing up for class, feeding myself, all those things. And then I came home and I like reverted back to teen me, where my mom's like, I need you home. But I was like, I don't, you know, I don't need to be, home. I'm an adult. I've been doing that. I'm fine. You know, but she's like, you're in my house. You live by my rule, you know, blah, blah. So I felt that pull to go back into like old me. And a lot of us feel that with family. We can go back in, want to revert back into childlike self, mm-hmm. where we like throw tantrums and we act in a way that probably isn't aligned with who we are as an adult. Um, And so just pay attention to that. And I encourage you to not, I guess that's really where the the change can happen. And if, big if, if they are going to be open to seeing you differently, that would be where it would come from. But again, we can't do it in the hopes that they will. Mm -hmm. We can't do it thinking that they will, or that we're going to make them change. We can only change ourselves. And so just paying attention to what you're doing, that's really where it's at.
0: Absolutely. And it it relates back to what we were talking about earlier with comments from people on social media. Of course, the words of our family, and we see the family so often, can be heavier in a way, but it's the same sort of concept. You can't control what someone's going to say to you or think of you. You certainly can control where you put your energy. And the more Mm -hmm. we focus outwardly on the other people, we can lose connect of like, wait, what is good for me though? Like, what is my truth here? And unfortunately, not everybody's going to hold our truth or agree with it.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. That's so true. Because that outward looking out is dangerous.
0: Oh, I, I've <laughs> learned, Katie, I've learned the hard way. Those comments, <laughs> we, all
1: have. we all have. Those
0: comments have stirred me <laughs> many sleepless nights. Final Ooh. question for you, which I loved, was <laughs> what can we expect next from you? What, what's on the horizon with content creation? Is there another book? Like, what, what's the next project?
1: um a lot of different things i'm always challenging myself to do things differently to to try to change my like i've been trying tiktok out and reels to whatever effect you know um i love tiktok personally so as like a person who digests a lot of tiktok um so i'm trying i'm going to try to up my game in that to make it a little more funny a little more relatable it'll be fun for me i've been my goal this year for myself personally is to try to do more breath in stuff like mm. meaning like recharging you know, not all breath out where I'm creating. Cause I think we can all get caught in work and like, Oh, I have to do the X, Y, Z. And I just churn. And I'm I'm definitely like a workhorse when it comes to stuff like that. Like I'm too super type A to my own demise. Um, so, so I'm trying to do those types of things, but then as far as bigger projects, like I'm working on a project with a friend of mine, that'll be more interactive, like workshoppy. And I think that could be really fun. And we're hoping to film it in the end of April. So we still got a little time and I'll tell people more when I can. Um, and then as far as books, I think there will be another book. Um, it's a lot of energy for me, so it probably won't come to fruition until next year. Um, but I think I'm finally going to do the eating disorder book. People have been asking for it since I started and my literary agent was like, well, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty niche to start with. Mm -hmm. So why don't we start with something broader? Um, but I think, I think it's time. So that'll be what I'm, Hopefully, hopefully, again, fingers crossed that things turn out, um, will be the next thing.
0: I know me and everyone else out there is going to be so excited for that. So, <laughs> but if so many of you out there already follow Katie, but for maybe some people, I don't know who that person is. Who doesn't know <laughs> Katie, where can people follow you?
1: Um, all over social media, it's just Katie Morton, K A T I M O R T O N. It's the name of my channel, the name of my socials, all that good stuff.
0: Katie, thank you so, so much for being here. Everybody who listened, thank you. Share it, drop it in the group chat. Always love your feedback. Thank you, Katie.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Bye, everyone.